Live from London, this is The Afternoon Show with Jane Manzoni. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Teachers Talk Radio this sunny afternoon. Well, it's sunny where I am. I am Jane Manzoni and I am back in London today, back from Cardiff last week. Tim, you need to call in again. I missed that. Uh, I hope if you are on half term, you've enjoyed your week off. Um, I know I have. I think we could all agree it's gone too quickly and we would have enjoyed another one. Live from London, this is The Afternoon Show with Jane Manzoni on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hi, Tim, you need to call in again because it flashes up for like three seconds and I missed it because I was doing the intro. Okay, today's topics include Mantle of the Expert, Diversifying the Curriculum, Squid Game, which we're going to talk about um, towards the end of the interviews, some comedy with Luke and things that annoy us on Edu Twitter. I've decided it's much better for you to listen to my guests than me, so I'll be getting straight on with the interview uh, after with my first guest after the introductions. So my first guest today is Tim Taylor, who still needs to call in Tim, <laughs> whose Twitter handle is Imagine Inquiry. Tim is a writer, a freelance teacher, okay, I've got you now, um, and an author. His book is called A Beginner's Guide to Mantle of the Expert. I've met Tim several times, and I've even... In- so I've got to meet you. There we go. Um, I've even attended the training in Mantle of the Expert quite a few years ago now, which was a whole weekend somewhere in Norfolk. Tim is based in Norwich, I think. He'll correct me if I'm wrong there. Tim once came and taught a year five class of mine. So I have seen the wonders of Mantle of the Expert in action. I'll tell you about that when I'm interviewing him. My second guest up this afternoon is Kyrome Adams. Kyrome spoke at this year's New Voices. He is a year five teacher and an English and computing lead at his school in Huddersfield. He spoke about diversifying the curriculum and everyone who saw his presentation was raving about it. I unfortunately did not get to see it. Um, I don't see many of the talks at my own conference as I tend to flap around in the kitchen a lot. Uh, But I'll be finding out about his talk this afternoon. Kyrome owns an amazing jacket, which I think I told him three times at the conference I liked. It was very colourful. Okay, my last guest is Luke Crawford. I've never met Luke, unfortunately. He was going to come to New Voices to do some comedy, but life and COVID intervened. Hopefully, this situation will be rectified in the future. I'd like to meet him. Okay, Luke's Twitter handle is Mr Crawford ENG Ing. Luke's an English teacher, as it would suggest, and he lives in Birmingham or near Birmingham, maybe Sutton Coalfield. Luke is a YouTuber, a presenter and comic. He has an Instagram, which must mean he's much younger than me. Well, I do have an Insta, but it's I don't know how you use it, to be honest. I put pictures of cocktails up and that's it. Uh, Maybe Luke can give me some tips. Right. My cocktail of the week was one I tried last night in a lovely little cocktail bar called Eve in Covent Garden. You might have seen my tweets last night. Uh, My cocktail was called a Mary Jane, probably why I chose it, being called Jane. It came with a leaf stuck down the side, which I was actually horrified to find out was a marijuana leaf. I was reassured by my friend Tori it wasn't illegal. Tori did ask me what I thought CBD water was when I ordered it. I didn't actually know. I do know now. I've Googled it. 
extensively. Um, anyway, this cocktail wasn't anything to write home about. It was £13 um, and uh, it didn't really do much for me. Uh, the ingredients are as followed. Vodka, creme de cassis, chamomile syrup and the raspberry CBD water, which is apparently really expensive. That's the marijuana bit. Uh, but I didn't get high. It's all perfectly legal. Okay. I also went to the Alchemist last night for the first time ever. I've been wanting to go there for ages because I thought it was like a super duper cocktail bar, but I was underwhelmed. I paid £10 for a glass of what tasted like ginger beer and a round bottomed chemical flask full of dry ice. Uh, the menu's got loads of icons of eyes beside the cocktail names, which the waiter informed me meant the drink was Instagrammable. I'm bowling my eyes now, by the way. Anyway, my first guest, Tim, is on right after this. So, you find. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read, write, ink phonics, floppy phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential, Essential lessons, lessons and sounds sound will get all your children reading well, well quickly, quickly using, using phonics books, books you may already, already have in your classroom. classroom. Developed, Developed by, by the Knowledge, Knowledge Schools Trust, Trust English Hub, Hub it's, it's affordable, easy to use, and, and makes teaching, teaching phonics, phonics with letters and sounds, sounds more effective. effective. Whatever, Whatever your school's, school's phonics, phonics needs, Oxford has a solution. To find, to find out, out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello, Hello everyone, everyone and welcome, welcome to the History, History Hotline, the hottest, the hottest line, line for all things, things Black, Black History, History and beyond. I'm your host, Deanna Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about Black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people-pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course? Or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses? All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Are you there? I am now. I couldn't hear you for a bit. What happened? <laughs> I was on mute. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. I'm still rubbish at this. It's like my eighth go. Anyway, <laughs> I'm glad I got you. I was getting a bit panicky because when oh, you too. ask people, when you ask people to call in, it flashes up for three seconds, and if right. you don't catch it, then they have to ring in again. Anyway, back to the back to the show. So, Tim, have you got an educational cocktail for me? I just have to say, Sir Joe. Um, is listening and he said cocktail of the week is a thing in your show didn't see that coming so hello sir joe thanks for listening okay so have you got a cocktail for me tim well when when you sent me the questions i i thought you meant metaphorically that's so right. i i kind of thought well cocktail what does that mean and then and then i thought about education and then i listened to your show and i realized no you mean it literally don't you <laughs> yes i do 
<laughs> and, I, and I don't know anything about cocktails. Is, is gin and tonic a cocktail? Is that a cocktail? No, that's a drink. No. <laughs> I think you need three ingredients for a cocktail at least, don't you? I don't know what okay. the definition so is. So if I put a slice of lemon in, that'll make it a cocktail, will it? Uh, not really, Tim. <laughs> I, I thought you had a cocktail. Honestly, you're as bad as Asbo teacher who told me that a snake bite was a was a cocktail. Ah, no, I like that answer. I thought yeah. that was great. Okay, um, well, what if you, yeah. you give me a gin and tonic then? <laughs> well, I could give you a long, boring answer about... Go on, give me a long, boring answer. Really? We've got well, half an be... hour. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so I thought, well, if it's metaphorical, I, I started jotting down what a metaphorical cocktail would be for education and do you want to hear it do you seriously want to hear it it's pretty dull yes i do i absolutely all right so so learning is about acquisition application and development so that's in terms of making a cocktail that would be adding the ingredients mixing them together and then serving the drink so far is that okay so if the ingredients are you then think what what the ingredients of acquisition the learning bit that would be uh, a large serving of knowledge as the foundation mixed with skills and practice and then I think they should have a dash of fun because I think fun's really important uh, not trivial not triviality but you know enjoying yourself and the children's imagination so that's the the ingredients then the mixing is the pedagogy that we use so I think that needs to be a mix of direct instruction inquiry and discovery none of those things outweighing the others and then and then I think when you serve it up it's got to taste nice and it's got to look good otherwise nobody will want to drink it so, so what's that is that like wear nice clothes <laughs> no. <laughs> or, or have a nice display in your classroom no no I mean that the, the actual bit the teaching bit the the evolved oh bit. okay sorry <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very good answer it's it's very, oh, that's very cerebral Certainly, certainly one of the most well thought out answers I've had, which is probably a taste of your, all your answers to come. Okay, mm. so my next question. Yeah. Oh, scroll down. I've got two computers here going on at once. It makes it sound good, but it's not. Okay. What drew you into teaching initially, Tim? And then we'll talk about your career so far and then other stuff. Okay. Well, I, I, I ended up teaching by accident. So I finished university and the only thing I really wanted to do was travel. And so teaching was a way of traveling because you could get a job, you know, doing uh, teaching English as a foreign language. So that's what I started doing. But I was never really that interested in teaching. My dad, my dad actually was a head, headmaster um, of a primary school and he taught. I actually was at his school for several years, but I never really wanted to be a teacher. But I did want to travel and this gave me the opportunity to do that. So I went to Egypt for a bit and then che- Czechoslovakia as it was then. And then I ended up um, in Madrid and I had this awful job really where I was sort of going around, spending all of my time sort of traveling around on the metro and, and buses, teaching um, well people in offices who really didn't want to do it but saw it as a, important for their career. And they were bored and I was bored. And then I got a class on a Saturday morning for three hours with a group of teenagers. And to start with, I had no idea how to teach them. But then I started inventing kind of games with them, stories like sort of, um, you know, like the balloon game and, and, and we sort of plotted what, with these. And through your knees, like in a party game? Yeah, yeah, with, with a kind of, well, how, if you were, I kind of wrapped it up in a story about a group of bank robbers 
and and they had to use English to um, to plan the robbery and then to escape oh, yeah. and then, you know, to be in the balloon. So they had this reason for using English and they liked playing the games and doing the story. And I, I bet they really, did. And I really enjoyed it, you know, and I'd spend hours sort of planning these things for the Saturday. The rest of the week I didn't care about, but on these Saturday mornings. So when we came back from Madrid, I thought, well, perhaps I should try out teaching. And that's, that's really mm. how I ended up doing it. That's really cool. And I can see why you were then drawn to what's your specialism now. So perhaps tell us about your, your career. So you, that's why you came into it. And then you mm. obviously had a, a career in teaching before you're doing what you're doing now. Can you just tell me a bit about that for the listeners? Yeah. So, so I, I, I live in Norwich and I come from Norwich. So I studied uh, at UEA. We wanted to, to live in Norwich when we came back from living abroad. And so my first job was in a, a first school. Uh, a place called Tuxwood. And uh, I was really, really lucky. It's one of those things when you look back and you think, how did that happen? And it was the early 90s and um, the school had gone through this huge amount of turmoil and um, and I won't go into that. But there was a new head teacher who was starting and she was really interested in philosophy for children and this thing called Mantle of the Expert, which I didn't know anything about at all. And uh, so in my very first term, we had this support, this training coming in. And I saw this chap called Luke Abbott teach my class. And oh, I've met Luke, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah. You met him at the weekend. And mm. and it was like, wow, <laughs> teaching could be really brilliant. It could be a lot of fun and kids can learn a lot while enjoying themselves. And that really inspired me. So. So that was really what I, I then worked in, in that school for 12 years. I then uh, became an advanced skills teacher, um, which at that time was... was oh, I remember those. Me, <laughs> uh, which, which, gave me, yeah, which gave me a day off a week um, out of my class, paid for, where I could go and work in other classes. Did you go and do mantle in other schools? Mm, yeah. I had an advanced skills teacher come and teach science to a class of year six in the middle of Hackney once, and she came with a bag of resources for every single child. And I was like, wow. well, that's, this is great, but I, d I don't really have time to do a bag of resources no. for every single child. But I'm sure what you did was fantastic. So you went and did well, that a day a week, did you? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it was that fantastic, to be honest. It was, But it was, it was great it for me because it meant that I could start honing my skills. You know, you, you're under quite a lot of um, scrutiny when you go into other people's classes, you know. You yeah, sort of especially as advanced skills. Right. You have to teach up to, you know. And and I I thought, well, but I didn't do that. I, I, I'm partly because I'm too lazy, but also because I don't really believe in creating loads of resources because, as you say, it's so time consuming mm. and the idea of the advanced skills teachers really the way I interpret it, it was to demonstrate what can be done um so I anyway so I, I so I was going into people's classes and and trying to model both philosophy for children and Mantle the expert both of them well at different times you know so okay. people would ask me to come in and because I, I was doing the philosophy for children a lot at that time um right, yeah so I'd go in and, and teach people's classrooms, and it was it was great personally, and in terms of my professional development, because it really helped me to hone my sort of teaching. Um, so I did that for a while, and then I was a deputy head for a bit, 
and then and then I went for a year. I was seconded uh, to Essex Authority and worked as an advisor for a while. Um, and then I was back in the classroom for a bit. So this brings us up to about ten years ago. Uh, so I was working sort of part-time at that time, working on creative partnerships, doing a lot of different projects uh, for creative partnerships around the country. And half the week I was working as a teacher. And at that point, um, yeah, I fell off a cliff because I was doing too much and mm. working too hard. I had a young family and, you know, I heard it's you talking to common, yeah. It happens to lots. I think Aurora right. Reed wrote a book about it, didn't she? So she had a very similar moment. Lots of teachers do, yeah. Right. And and looking back on it, I just think I was crazy to do that to myself. But you kind of feel that you're, you're indestructible, don't you? You sort of think that you can do everything. Um, yeah, a little bit. So Especially when you're younger. Right. And, and I was actually getting really ill. And I was mm. ill for quite a long time without really realising it. And then... Mm. I remember being in class, got to the end of the day and just thought, oh, this is not right. So, so I went, so I got an appointment at the, at the doctor. He sent me to the hospital and it turned out that I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, mm. which yeah, completely knocked me sideways and, and meant that I couldn't work for a year and a half while I had treatment. Mm. So when I came back, uh, I talked to Claire, my wife, and we said, well, you can either do one or the other, but you can't do both in terms of teaching or doing this, going around sort of um, working as a kind of consultant. Mm. So, so that was the path that I took. So since then, I've been self-employed. And, that's and have you been happier, do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved, I loved working in school and I loved having a class. You know what it's like. You have a class at the beginning of the year, especially you're working in reception, aren't you? That you yeah, they're amazing. Have, oh, it's just incredible. And... You know, you're, you know, as you work with them all the way through the year, you're constantly aware of all new things that they're learning and you get to the end of the year and that's a fantastic. I just um, see them as, because I came from year six, well, year five, mm. year six for many years. I see them as their potential year six selves. So it makes you want to stay in the school and teach them in year six. Right. I don't know. It's like just the the beginning of their, their personality coming out. It's really, it's great. It's yeah, great, I do, isn't it? I, I do love the little ones. Okay, I just wanted to ask you quickly before we mm. move on to, to the other questions I sent you about yeah. any ambitions left for the future. I know you've written a book, but do you yeah. have something you want to do that you haven't done yet? Yeah, I, well, I want to carry on doing what I'm doing um, and more of it and better at it, really. That's really what I want to do. I love my job and I love working in schools. So basically what I do now is, is work in schools on different projects and most of those projects now are sort of long-term projects. So I go in and, and work with the school over a couple of years, developing Mantle of the Experts. So that's what I want to carry on doing. And also I've got some plans to write at least another book. Mm. It, well, I mean, it does sound like the dream. Okay, I'm going to skip question three, which was something to change in education, because I think really we should talk about Mantle sure. in a little bit yeah. more detail now. Um, I, I'm looking at the time so I want to stay, say before we start talking about mantle it's not you know to the listeners it's not just some rubbish hot seating like it's quite magical <laughs> in action because I think that's that's that maybe is the impression that especially sure. the sec secondary uh twitterati people might have of it I mean what struck me most when we did it together was how something so child-led which, as we know, is like the worst sin you can commit almost at the moment, you know, <laughs> let the children choose what they're doing. Um, it, it just yields 
different outcomes to normal positive um but different outcomes to normal lessons you know you see get to see sides of your students you haven't seen before you know it creates moments of real high tension and genuine emotions when the children are grappling with scenarios and deciding what to do um, and when they realize they're in the driving seat they kind of become more grown up in front of you and I think that's something I wanted to say before you tell me from your point of view as an expert of doing it mantle of the expert expert um but that's what I got from it and it was it's incredibly difficult to do and it isn't something that I've attempted very much since I've done it with you um but it's certainly something that's worthwhile so now that's my point of view about it and why I asked you on actually because I wanted people to understand a bit more about these child-led um techniques and how they're not as rubbish as people think they are okay well no no they're certainly not rubbish um oh no but you know I, what i mean don't I you do. They, do, they do sort of characterize things in a way that makes you you can't really argue you're just like, oh, all right whatever <laughs> yeah well i think it suffers from a number of things one, one thing i think it suffers from is the name i think the name is awful you know what does it mean mantle of the expert you have to know quite a lot really about you don't sort of get what it is from looking at the name is really part of the problem and um like teach first <laughs> everyone thinks teach first goes do something else second laura's always banging on about that Laura right. McInerney. right so you when you when you get a name and you get you get stuck with it and then you think oh well if we had if we could have our time again we'd change the name um so there is that and i think this idea about it being child-centered i think or child-led is a bit of a, a misunderstanding about it, really. I, I understand. Oh, sorry, people, I added no, no, to that. it's absolutely fine. No, I understand why why you said that, and people people say it. But it's one of the things that that kind of it falls into. But one of the things that we do in education that really frustrates me is that we tend to get ourselves in camps and we tend to see things and put them into models and say, "Oh, well, that's like that. That's like that." So, Mac of the expert obviously gets put into the big camp of progressivism and then it then it's kind of a smaller camp of, of child centered education whatever that means and so it's quite easy to dismiss if you if you don't like those ideas then you're going to dismiss this idea because it's quite easy to and, and ideas are much easier to dismiss than they are to understand um, for me though mantle the expert isn't child centered it's community centered it's about building community and it's about teams. So the idea in Mantle of the Expert is that the children are in a fiction, uh, they're in, a, in, a, in an imaginary story that's going on. And that in that story, one of the points of view they can take on is as a team. And that team is, is a community of people working together on a common uh, outcome. Mm. So, of course, the because it's a collaborative approach, then the teacher's going to be listening very hard to the children's ideas. But the teacher's always going to have in mind what's the learning outcome for this session. You know, we're spending this 40 minutes, an hour on this. What are the children going to be learning at the end of it? Because they can't just be having a good time because that's what you do at playtime. It's not a playtime, it's the classroom. So although it takes very seriously what children are saying and thinking, and I think... That's important for me in terms of my, my philosophy of education is that you, you listen carefully to what children have to contribute. It's not led by children in the sense that you follow them along um, and they're always the one that are leading. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. And when you said it, so I keep having a coughing fit. So could you could you <laughs> Sorry, hear me in the background? I was trying I, not to cover bit. my mic. Sorry, <laughs> um, I'm trying to cover my mic. I don't. I, I had a mouthful of coke and it's gone down the wrong way. Yeah, when you did it with my class, um, mm. it was team led. So yeah, it makes absolute sense. Right. So did you want did you want me to talk a little bit more about um, well maybe about um the woman Dorothy Heathcote who invented mm. it maybe you could describe mm. her and why she came up with it and the sorts of things it's good for and like how it could slot into a curriculum right so yes yeah, so it, it was invented by somebody called Dorothy Heathcote and Dorothy Heathcote you could look her up on on the internet and and particularly on YouTube there's video of her working. Um, and a documentary that was made by the BBC in the early 70s, which shows her really in her prime and some really remarkable teaching that she was doing at that time. Now, Dorothy was working, she was a, an academic at Newcastle University and she wasn't a classroom teacher, but she realised in the late 80s that this approach that she was using, which was drama for learning, that's what she, she was doing, had an application in the classroom. So that was when she started pulling together those aspects of her work that she later called Mantler the Expert, because she saw that you could create a context, which is a story context. It's, you know, we know that the, the power of stories and the importance of stories um, to organize and, and help um, learning and remembering. She realized that you could use these fictions in order to create context for curriculum activities. So that's really um, why it became something that I was very interested in, because I realized that there were all these things that, that could be done in the classroom that children really enjoy doing. Um, but you could teach the curriculum through it. Not all the curriculum, I have to make that clear, is that it's not an approach that, where you, you teach all of the curriculum, but you can use and apply it where you see it could be used most effectively. Yes. Sorry, have you finished talking? Oh, I have. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you tailed off then and I wasn't sure yeah, yeah, that sorry. was the end of it. Okay, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, I hope more people read your book, buy and read your book and, and mm. explore it because it certainly is something that was amazing for me to watch in action. And I, you know, finding opportunities for that kind of teaching is difficult nowadays. I mean, I think you understand the way things are going. It isn't like it was in the 90s where you could really do much more exploratory teaching lots of schools are becoming quite um they've got their own way of teaching haven't they so to say something like let's try this it's more difficult not every school though obviously um well I, yeah, think, I, I think i think it i think it can be applied within within a framework within a, a framework that you that you're saying there so if you're in your classroom as a reception classroom you yeah use mantle the expert quite a lot yes that's true I, I hadn't thought about because I'm just getting my head around teaching mm. four-year-olds at the moment but I can see that it will be a lot easier down in reception than it would have been like say last year with the upper juniors yeah but, it, but I mean junior classrooms can use it as well but it, 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 I think it's not an approach as I say that you that a teachers would or a school would would think I mean there are some schools that use it across the curriculum in very wide ways but it can be used and applied um, within lessons yeah I think you have to be you have to be creative and think of a way to do it though you can't just it's it's something quite difficult to use it's, it's quite a highly skilled 
um, right. technique. So you will actually need training in it as well, don't you? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to do it. I think I think with anything that, that, that requires, I think it requires planning and forethought and, yeah. and certainly a certain amount of training will help. But I, I, it was a while. Well, remind me, how long ago was it that, that we It was were years ago. It, yeah. it must have been six or seven years ago. Right. Yeah, I, I think at that time, I, I, I think since then, I've thought more and more about the fact that it could be made an awful lot more accessible than perhaps it was at that time. I think oh, there, okay. you know, there was an yeah. awful lot of, I don't know, sophisticated kind of conventions that were being used, which are all mm. part of the, the way that you can use it. But I think it, it can be used in, in a much more, um, I'm not going to say simplified because I don't mean that, but a much more sort of focused way, I think perhaps is the way that I describe it. Yeah. Oh, okay then. I, maybe I'll revisit it and, and see mm. how the things that you've tweaked because it might make it easier to use. Uh, let's move on to the badly discussed edgy Twitter topic because you did tweet that it was behaviour and I'm interested to hear that. So okay. um, can you tell me why that gets on your nerves so much? I mean, I know why it gets on my nerves, but a lot of things get on my nerves. So let's let's listen to you. Well, I think <clears> because your, it... Your it yeah, well, it, it annoys me because I think it's something that really needs proper conversations about, and it gets polarised. And I read, I read the kind of the the, the you know the the shouting and the kind of polarisation and the kind of you know the going to the extremes, and I think, well, there's hardly anybody in education that I know that actually exists on the extreme. Almost everybody in education exists somewhere in between and and I just I just wrote down when I knew that I was coming on today and I just thought well what what are the things I think that that we could all agree as a profession and I think that you know that what I tweeted was that I think there's that we'd all agree that schools need a set of reasonable rules to protect people and learning you can't operate in a school without those that there needs to be consequences that are applied fairly and consistently um that there needs to be extra support given to those who struggle and that there really is a desperate need for a properly funded safety net for those who mm. fall through the gaps. <clears throat> now, if Definitely we can all agree on that, problems. if we can all just say, well, that's what we all agree on, then then I think we, things would be an awful lot more productive. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? When somebody like you, who is categorised as um, like extreme prog, um, right. They, they would say that you don't believe in any boundaries and me as well, because people often think that I am too. Don't believe any boundaries, don't believe in any consequences. It's all restorative justice and uh, you want to let children do what they want. But when you speak, and this is why it's nice to actually talk to people. I mean, I, I didn't think you thought that, obviously. I'm talking about what the mm. characterisation of a progressive view of, of behaviour is. Um, you're... you're somewhere in the middle like every sensible person so yeah I agree it's it's very annoying I I think the the stereotypes in the trad and prog camps are are very irritating especially when it just misunderstands what most people are doing day to day in their classroom so I tend to agree with you well I think I think the conversation just becomes childish and trivial you know if if somebody says I don't think I think maybe that the, the exclusion numbers are high Perhaps we should properly look at that. Perhaps there should be more, you know, review and examination of these numbers. Oh, you you think that children should be in school if they bring knives in? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. Where did you get that from? Yeah, and then, then, and then it all becomes this kind of 
as I say, this kind of extreme argument. And it does, doesn't it? It just annoys me. And you could tweet you could tweet something really innocuous, or you think it's seemingly really innocuous, and then one person will slightly misinterpret it. And then the person reading that slight misinterpretation will completely misinterpret it. And then the complete misinterpretation becomes what your tweet was. And you spend the whole time arguing about a mis, like, misrepresentation of your view. It, yeah, that's what really gets to, to me. Oh, okay, let's move on to okay. <clears throat> Squid Game. Right. Squid Game was, uh, was all over Twitter a few days ago. And now it's uh, original sin. But um, I did want to <laughs> ask what you think about using, you know, pop culture in lessons and something like squid game i mean it's clearly not suitable for no. little kids but maybe i don't know teenagers uh, <laughs> have yeah. you seen it by the I way have, yeah God, oh okay really, it was good yeah. wasn't it i thought it was good yeah i know it's terrific <laughs> i mean it's funny because um etty who, who's our youngest daughter who is a teenager she watched it first and said oh you should watch this this is great so we all ended up watching it um but yeah, it's horrific. Uh, it is horrific. Yeah. I can't. I asked. I asked our children. I said, "Would well, is this something that you think could be used in schools?" And they went, "No." So really, yeah. <laughs> I thought teenagers would be like, "Yes, well, yeah, let's I talk about this would. game." I suppose they would. I, I, I'm not. To be honest, and maybe this again is a bit surprising considering how I get characterised. But I'm not really in favour of using things that kids like. No. Okay, (laughs) you want to make them like unusual things. Well, I think our curriculum is what we're... I think I want to take children... I want to be teaching children about things they don't know about and things that they're not necessarily interested in. Do you know what I mean? Sorry, are you there, Jane? I'm losing you. Yeah, you're just coming in and out. Have you done something to your mic? No, I haven't. I'm back now. Okay, yeah, you are. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe just... Uh, so I think, yeah, so I think that our job as teachers is to teach them about things that they don't know about and to interest them in... I, I'd much rather teach them about the fall of Rome or something than I yeah. would about squid games. Talk I'd, about squid games. Yeah, yeah. That's, or anything really that in popular culture. I think there's enough, they yeah, get enough exposure to popular culture. I see it's difficult for me because I'm just primary and I'm trying to think what I would be like if I was a secondary English teacher and part of me would want to discuss popular culture because I think that's analysing life as it is and the life that they perceive around them and and linking um, literature to children's um, experiences is sort of fundamental in getting them to want to read more so a part of me would want to do it but part of me is like oh but how would you do it um I don't know I'm sort of on the fence about that one okay uh the last thing is we probably have got a little couple of minutes I've got I've got Chiron waiting but um uh-huh. he'll be okay. fine um have you got anything you want to put in room 101 either a teaching thing or just life in general earwigs I don't know okay all right well I, I've, all, all three of my things are teaching things um so on, the first then. thing is I want to put Ofsted in there and slam the door and throw him down a big hole because I think they're totally... <laughs> Would you replace them with HMI or just no oversight whatsoever? No, I think there needs to be oversight. And and I think Ofsted, back when I was first inspected in the early 90s, was a, was a very different kind of thing. Um, so Ofsted in its present oh, incarnation, yes. Yeah, and, and I don't think... I think it's beyond reform. I think it's gone far too... I think I'd start again. I mean, there needs to be oversight, but we need to have a proper 
professional debate about what's what needs to be put there because Ofsted is just awful, has been for too long. So that's one. Um, I'd put political interference in education into Room One Hundred One. So I'd, I'd take it out of the out of government like they have with um, the Bank of England. <clears throat> so I was watching that documentary about Blair and Brown the other day, and the first thing that Brown did was to take the Bank of England out of government control. I think mm-hmm. that's what I would do to education because I think politicians have interfered in education to the detriment of education for far too long. And the other thing I'd put in there is golden time. I think golden time. <laughs> <laughs> nobody does golden time anymore okay mm. yeah I mean I, I'd certainly agree with the first two uh golden time I don't know I haven't done it for so many years I don't know whether it was good or not um but yeah that's great Tim um thanks for putting up with my coughing fit in the middle there that was dreadful I'm just not going to drink coke anymore when I'm interviewing people but it was really interesting talking to you and thanks for calling in yeah well thanks for inviting me it's it's lovely and and it's given and actually what I've done over the last couple of days is listened to a lot of the shows and sort of caught up with what you're doing and it's terrific. So. Oh, thank you. you Okay. Well, yeah, been a pleasure. Uh, Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. 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 This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This This is your your latest latest Teachers Teachers Talk Talk Radio Radio News with with Gail Glenn. The 26th Annual Conference of Parties, COP26, is being hosted by the UK in partnership with Italy in Glasgow from the 31st of October to the 12th of November. The Department for Education will be leading the conversation by suggesting that the best way to fight climate change is through education. The DFE will be hosting a number of events on Zoom, some live and some available to watch on demand. They will share examples of green success stories from teachers and pupils to generate ideas and inspire others. Sessions will include green skills and careers, biodiversity and nature initiatives and a climate solutions lecture hosted by Professor Dave Ray from the University of Edinburgh. A report for ITV News has stated that ministers and the UK Health Security Agency have urged young people to complete a lateral flow test before returning to school from half term. The latest figures have shown a slight fall in new cases of COVID-19 among school children in England, and this has been attributed to schools breaking up for the holiday. It is hoped that this measure will reduce disruption to lessons and ensure that families are able to enjoy Christmas. Naheem Sahawi, the English Education Secretary said, as we start the countdown to Christmas, Testing regularly and getting vaccinated is the best thing we can all do to protect education and make sure we can enjoy the best of the season, whether that's the school nativity or the family gathering over the holidays. That's why I want to encourage every young person in secondary school or college 
to take a test before you return to the classroom next week. We have come so far in our fight against this virus and now every single test and every single jab puts another brick in our wall of defence. This has been your weekend education news briefing. Hi, <clears throat> I'm hoping this is Kyrome because I accepted you into the studio ages ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's me it's me <laughs> oh great thank goodness for that there's nothing but technical issues here um right so have you got a cocktail for me yes i have and it's not as um as well thought out as tim's uh, but i have got a cocktail for you so i've gone down the road of taking different uh, people from the education world on twitter who i admire so i've got uh, a dash of blair mitchin i don't know if you know who he is but it's blair. someone yeah has it does he Sweet vegetables? No, I'm thinking of somebody else. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's Blair, no. Um, but he's <laughs> someone from his uh, videos and put photos that he puts online. You can see that he's got a real commitment to his uh, profession. He's trying to make the best curriculum possible for his kids. So someone whose Twitter I'm always looking at and gaining inspiration from. Then I've got a pinch of a Mrs B on Twitter, Sophie Bartlett. Um, I went to one of her talks a while back um and her passion for the English curriculum, how she structures it, um, is something that I, I really admire. And I hope Mrs. one B. day... Yeah, Mrs B, yeah. I don't um, follow her, I'll have to follow her. Sophie, Sophie Bartlett, she's called, yeah, but Mrs B on Twitter. Um, but yeah, her passion for the English curriculum, her knowledge, her expertise is something I uh, really look up to. Then I've got a smidgen of uh, the tattooed head teacher, uh, Kirsty Stubbs. You heard of her? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely heard of her. <laughs> just her, just her um, views on inclusion and things like that is something that um, I think is something that all should follow after um, trying to create that inclusive curriculum. And then um, a sprinkle to finish my cocktail off with uh, Jordan Firth. He's just someone who I've got to know professionally and personally, and he's just a, a funny, a funny guy. Um, and how he uh, injects that into his classroom is something that you know I think is very, very important. Oh, that's fabulous. And I've got some new people to follow as well and a great take on the cocktail. So yes. people, are, people are going their own way with this cocktail. I think this is funny. Teachers are interesting. When you give them something to do, they always find <laughs> their own way of doing it. Um, so, yeah. That's well, like I said, cool. not as well thought out as Tim's, but I think, it, I think I've think i had pretty, my own spin on it. <laughs> it was pretty well thought out. Thank okay. you. So, so onward with um, what drew you into teaching and your career so far, please, for the listeners. Yes, yeah, so um, going through school uh, up all the way to college, um, I thought I wanted to be a forensic scientist, and I did some, um, <laughs> I did some um, research, went to those careers meetings, and I met with a forensic scientist and said, "If you watch CSI, it's nothing like that." So from that point on. I didn't pursue that career, but I always, in the, I always had in the back of my mind teaching and every placement I did, I ended up in a school and I just think back to my uh, teaching um, that I had when I was in school and I thought of my teacher, Mrs Herbert, who was my year three teacher and if I saw her today, I'd run up and give her a hug because she was Aww. someone who really um, always believed in me. I was never the smartest kid in class, but I always remember her being so positive and influential in my life and I always thought if I could be just as 
half as good as Miss Herbert, then I'd make a cracking teacher. So, yeah, Mrs Herbert is the reason why I'm in the teaching profession today. I'm sure she'd be very pleased to hear that. Everybody loves to be told that their class uh, want to be teachers when they go. I'm sure you've had. Have you had children say they want to be teachers? Well, I'm only in my fifth year, so no, not yet. <laughs> oh. Well, no, they might not say, I want to be a teacher with you, but I think I just oh, take you... it as a compliment when they oh, say no, they you want mean... to be a teacher. Well, yeah, kids, in my, I thought you meant, you know, kids that have grown up, that I've taught previously, but um, no, yeah, I've, no, had, no, I've had children... Yeah, I've had children who, who've said things like that. I want to be teacher because of you, yeah, Mr. Ray, well, all that sort of stuff, yeah. which is good. It's a, it's a massive compliment. Yeah, it's always really nice when they say that. I always take it as a compliment. You've got to take compliments where you find them. Okay, Definitely. and so your career so far, just five years in. Um, five English years in. Big, big um, subject to take on after five years, because I didn't become an English lead until, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 I can't even remember. It's been so long, but a, a long way in. I think quite a bit longer than you. So um, yeah. that's that's great to take on English. And you're also computing, which could be a right pain in the neck. So my so my Twitter bio actually needs slightly updating because I've oh, moved school. It? I've moved school now. So yeah, the way it worked is I went in my first year NQT and then second year the offer subjects and I got computing. Revamped the whole computing curriculum for my school because it was just wasn't fit for purpose. Um, staff weren't confident. Children weren't weren't getting the best deal so I looked at that and then I thought you know I want to progress I've done everything I possibly can do with the computing curriculum is the opportunity for me to look at one of the core subjects and I was given English which encompasses writing and reading and mm. and that was in my third year so really still wow. quite young into my into my uh, profession but um, it's something that I was passionate about English was always my thing, you know, starting in, in, as an NQT, brought loads of ideas and sort of revamped that curriculum in my old school too. And now I'm at a new school where I'm phase leader. So I've got a bit of uh, teaching time and management time now. So it's a mixture of both things. So have you dropped English? You don't do that anymore? Yeah, so English is old. I should I need to update that bio. But yeah, English is not my thing anymore. I'm phase leader, so I oversee like the majority of the curriculum over years two, three and four um, and help uh, with the teaching and learning, all that sort of good stuff. But then... Are you, are of, you in a big school? Yeah, it's an academy. I'm in a, an academy now and it goes from nursery all the way to year 11. It's two separate buildings, but it's a massive... Massive How many form entry are you? Well, actually, it's only a, a two form entry. It's just a big school in general. Um, yeah, so not if you look at the primary school just as is, it's just two form entry years, nursery to year six. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And have you got any ambitions for the future? Well, you must have. You're only five years into your career. Where do you see yourself in a few years' time? So, I think it's the, you know, well, hopefully one day I'd be head teacher, but actually going into my uh, new role as phase leader, because I'm not in class full time, I'm already missing that sense of having my own, similar to what Tim said before, and it's having you like your own team, your own class. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that will change or not, but hopefully one day, not in the near future, because I've still got a lot to learn in profession. I don't want to be that classic of, you know, running before I can walk sort of thing. Um, I want to eventually, hopefully one day be head of a school it's interesting you say head so many people i know say deputy there was a reach a recent teachers tap survey and i think more people aspire to be deputy than head i don't know if that's the the gender thing and and women don't go for the top jobs or something because of 
don't want to be accused of being sexist. But I think that is true that a lot of women don't say, oh, I want to be head. I've certainly vaguely thought about wanting to be head, but only ever really, really vaguely. I'm 25 years in. I never yeah. really had that that drive to be in charge. Well, um, I think... I, I still think... don't, you know. I still don't. I still like what I do in the class. And I think... Um, yeah, I don't know if that's a gender thing. Or well, not. I, don't, I think it's just because I think when you come in as a as a as a new as a new bet to the profession, some of us, you know, are happy, you know, being in class, and that's absolutely fine. But I'm someone who I want to try become get to the maybe like highest point. Do you know, like the yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's climbing that ladder, and I want to do it. But you know, things might change, and might think are oh, not for me, sort of thing. But Currently. I'm sure you'll get there. I'm sure you'll get there. Absolutely positive. Um, okay, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, sorry, have I cut you off there? Do you want, but I wanted to talk about your new voices talk, and I, I tend to whisper on myself a lot. Um, and it was one that I missed that I really was upset that I missed. It was diversifying the curriculum, wasn't it? Let's diversify. Yeah. And it's something my school has been working on really hard recently, and I expect a lot of schools have been in view of yeah. recent events the last few years. So perhaps you could just summarise for the, the yeah. listeners um uh, what was in your talk yeah so first off thanks for you know inviting me to to speak because um it was thanks a great opportunity coming all the way <laughs> well it was a, a very scary trip getting on um going on the london underground because i've only done it once before so but i got there safe and sound and i got home you safe did? and sound which is great um so yeah it's i coined the term inclusify it's not a real word i've sort of made that up pattern pending <laughs> um but yeah it's looking at your curriculum and just making sure that all children are seen and not just if you have a majority you know asian demographic catering it to that or majority black demographic catering it to that it's making sure everyone is seen whether you know you're looking at uh, uh different uh, people from the LGBT community, people who are able-bodied, disabled. It's just looking at everyone in your curriculum, make sure everyone is seen so that when a children come across them in their real life, it's not a shock or new to them. It's, you know, they've been taught about everyone they will come across. Um, and it's something that when I look at a curriculum, I'm always looking for those key figures. And I think for the curriculums over time the same stuff just gets uh, regurgitated over and over again yeah, I remember going through so. I know I remember doing some placements and seeing stuff that I remember I was taught in school and I'm like sure we've moved on from those and you have your key touchstone figures but it's who else um, who else is missing um, and I always say well the the term is you know don't reinvent the wheel but that wheel sometimes needs a lick of paint needs a bit of wd-40 and we go from there sort of thing so just as a for the people listening it's that thing of if you teach about uh julius caesar why we're we not teaching about septimus severus who was a roman leader much more like successful than him so not mm. not teaching julius julius caesar teaching them like a uh, parallel to one another if we're talking about um, Florence Nightingale we talk about Mary Seacole and just dipping in different dropping in different characters and people such as um, Walter Tull who was um, a leader um, in World War One and I remember in my teaching I only ever saw like white soldiers you know I never saw like mm -hmm. a, a black soldier so just th different things like that littering your curriculum you know weaving it in your curriculum and it's not something that will come overnight but it's something that needs to be tactfully woven so you get a full picture of the world um, past just what tends to be normally taught. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And not just keeping it in, in Black History Month in October, but like having it all the way through the year as well. I mean, we, we have been working really hard on that. I think lots of schools are, but it's great to, to keep bringing it to the forefront because yeah, you know, it, it's lots of schools do just do the same thing over and over because like you say, it's easier and we're so busy that yeah. actually, but it's time to, to look at it with fresh eyes because if you've got majority children in your class who are not white and everybody on your curriculum is white, that's, that's obviously not inclusive. So uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But also if, but also if it was like a majority white, you know, white British demographic, it's mm. about exposing those children to, the different sorts of people they will come across. My first school that I worked at, very yeah. white, white British demographic, and it was the curriculum wasn't diverse at all. So just mm. looking how we can incorporate those figures for that effect to expose them to it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And if you've got nobody who's disabled, you, people still need to to learn about disability, don't they? So exactly. Ex ex Exactly, and it could be just small things like... Or LGBT, there might exactly. be nobody trans in your school, but like they do need to know about these issues because they're going to be exposed to them, you know, well, at some point. Ex exactly, so, you know, I always talk about quick wins and just, you know, you could think about the different images you put on your PowerPoint, You're, you yeah. know, you might be doing some circle time and are the characters, the people, like the little image you put on, all white people could it be yeah. someone who's you know um, slightly overweight someone in a wheelchair a child wearing a hijab just making it the norm sort of thing yeah yeah I think it is that's what you're making it the norm is the thing that has to happen because if yeah. the default is is like homogenous um white British images everywhere um or using those stock texts it's it's never going to to become inclusive enough so it has to exactly. change a mind a mindset okay yeah that's great okay let's go on to Badly discussed edu Twitter topics. Now, I don't know how long you've been on Twitter, but certainly if you've been on it for longer than three months, there must have been something that irritates you because it tends to go cyclically, like, round and round, the same old arguments. Well, actually, I've got a slightly different spin on this question. Have and it's not, it's not particularly a topic. It's just the environment and people on there. It's that case of, as teachers in this profession, you know, we bang on to our children about how to you know to behave online sometimes the things I see online I'm like uh, is that what we should be posting online is that the right thing how you're talking to people online so I don't know if you've noticed on my Twitter if I think I came in at the right time I came on Twitter maybe about two and a half three years ago and it was just filled with like one big giant friendly staff room where everyone was sharing resources helping each other out and now it's got to a point where it's like sort of like I'm going to one-up you you've done this, but look what I've done sort of thing. So I think the whole vibe of Twitter is not the same as it used to be. And obviously things change over time. But currently in the present state that it's in, it's just, it's not ticking all the boxes to me. So I'm not as active as I once used to be, you know. I still have a dip in and scroll now and again, but I'm not posting as much because currently I don't feel like I want to be in that environment as much as it used to be. I don't know how you feel about that or if you've picked up a similar vibe. I think that um, it goes in cycles with Twitter. So, and also your experience of Twitter is very much who you follow. So you can change your Twitter experience by, um, I don't know, 
I've got to mute somebody because I've just accepted somebody and you've both got exactly the same username so I'm talking to myself here yeah um if you change who you follow and mute the people who are having the like petty squabbles for a little while you'll get a different experience but yeah um what I've noticed recently is that it's becoming a bit like insta there's a lot of you know the there's a lot more pictures and selfies coming up and I, I don't know if that's that's new or I've just started following people who do that. But it doesn't really irritate me, to be fair. It's just I've noticed it, that it's become more visual and less um, conversational. Well, yeah, what so, does, yeah, sorry, go on. No, no I'm going to say, so when I first joined Twitter, it was a lot of, you know, you'd see pictures of the resources and things like that. And now it's now it's become more of like a, like a, like you said, like an Instagram, which is, makes it a bit more like for the people you want to communicate with it's nice because you get to know their like personality what they're like and you know sort of thing which is good so i think it's just trying to find that that right balance do you know what i mean yeah i i mean i i love twitter i love and hate it i mean sometimes you can have a bad few days where you tweet something and then somebody misrepresents you and then everybody's having a go at you and you and then people say oh you just love the attention i'm like sitting here going no i don't love the attention like i didn't really want all this attention thanks very much but um yeah, I don't know. I, and sometimes I love it. And it's given me lots of opportunities to do things I never would have done before. Like I've been to exactly. the I've been to Ofsted, I've done New Voices, I've, I'm doing the radio show now. I mean, all of this has come off the back of Twitter, so I can't really knock it. And also, oh, no, I'm yeah. much, I agree much with you there. Informed. I'm much more informed than I used to be. You know, like yeah. you, you do learn stuff. I know people yeah, like candy about best CPD. It's not the best CPD, but you certainly get exposed to things that could lead you to becoming a better teacher. You know, books to read, places to go, people to meet. Yeah. Well, I I would rephrase that and maybe call it maybe sort of like the best free CPD. Or it's definitely yeah. you, you do learn a lot from it. Loads of like IDs on there. If you've got a question, you can reach out to different people. So I do agree with you there that it, there are some positive aspects to it. And again, I've got loads of opportunities from twitter too so i'll be forever grateful sort of thing um but like you said ebbs and flows exactly yeah you 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 can have a love hate relationship with twitter okay let's go on to uh squid game have you watched it yeah, so I watched it at the beginning of these holidays and I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. And my question is, because this was a few days ago, I mean, it's gone on to original sin now, hasn't it? The big debate <laughs> yeah. on, on Twitter. But it was Squid Games for a little while. And it yeah. was uh, whether people would use it or should use it in classes. And I'm sort of on the fence. Obviously, you wouldn't use it in a primary school. But you, you've been um, English specialist. What do you think of using popular culture with kids? So I think there's a time and a place for it. I would say for Squid Game, definitely not. Um, because of the violence yeah because of the violence and I don't think you should shy away from them conversations you know children are talking about it so you will speak to children about it you know maybe potentially not something you should be watching and here's the reasons why um but definitely 15 16 18 year old like what about if you teach an a-level English I think they've got maturity then. I think as a teacher, you will make that call with your class, but mm. with a primary head on, for me, it would definitely be straight. Oh, well, no, absolutely <laughs> no. not. No. But I do think, you know, pop culture, you, you can make smart links, and especially for those children that maybe who are not as engaged with traditional, right, I don't know, just an example I'm thinking of, in one of my lessons, we were looking at, you know, 
Aryan perimeter in maths. And they weren't engaged. They were bored. So all I did was, they were massive fans of YouTube. So I took screenshots of different YouTube thumbnails from their favourite um from their favourite um, creators, content creators. And we just did the area and perimeter of the YouTube thumbnails. And because it just had... Because it had the pitch, thumbnail, they wanted to do the, it. Yeah. They wanted to do it. So you can make smart links like that. And yeah. they, they can be the smallest wins, but you get your learning outcome and you've got your children enjoying lesson two. But yeah. I think, again, as a teacher, you need to make that call whether things are appropriate or not appropriate. Um, but point. for squid, squid games, definitely. <laughs> definitely <laughs> no, no going primary. Yeah, no, definitely not. Okay, I mean, luckily, my my kids are four; they're not going to be exposed to that. But I expect yeah. some of the year six teachers around the country are having to deal with them playing red light, green light in the playground right now. Well, it's that, I don't know if that was a joke, but um, but it's that I, thing I, of I, it's it's similar to what times at Mister Wolf, isn't it? It's just that spin on yeah, it. So it's exactly it, that, and that's something you can I them pretending to shoot each other. I can actually see it. Ha- it hasn't happened mercifully yeah. in my school, but I can imagine it if there was like a group of year six who seen it oh yeah let's play this cool new game let's pretend to shoot each other yeah exactly uh, so difficult. yeah okay right let's go on to room 101 facts have you got anything to put into it for me well yes i've got i've got three things two things are education related and one thing's not so i'll keep that one till the end so first thing is i hate worksheets with a passion yeah so do i <laughs> So I think there's obviously there's time and a place for worksheets. You know, you might need something, you know, if you're analysing, you know, a line graph, you want, you might have a sheet stuck in and you're analysing that. But some things that are not necessary um, for worksheets. And I love Twinkle for some things, but I think sometimes Twinkle can make... Sponsored by Twinkle, school sponsored by yeah, no, I know. Do you know what I mean? Just it's just I hate Twinkle. I hate Twinkle. My school doesn't hate Twinkle, but I hate Twinkle. See, and I, I hate like, worksheets as well. I, I, I like I people. like I like Twinkle because it gives you good starting off points, but some of the worksheets, not a fan of. So worksheets can go in the bin, can go in room one oh one, sorry. Um and then my second thing is differentiation for the sake of it. So I remember walking to a class observing and the differentiation was for the higher ability they had to draw their own table, but the lower bill had got their table. They were recording some results in science. Mm. And I just thought, that's not differentiation to stretch or challenge a learner. That's You're doing it for the sake of saying you've got some differentiation in. So yeah. I always think of you know planning backwards. So looking at what your outcome is, how do we get all children there? And then you're scaffolding in, what do we put in place to make sure all children get to that desired point? So, yeah, differentiation for the sake of it, room one. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. I'd put both of those in. Yeah. Um, I'd, I really I, I really detest, like, I'm, I don't mind making my own worksheets, to be fair, but, but I, I don't like ones that other people have made. So sometimes I want to put some information on a sheet and a picture on a sheet and give them a box so that it looks yeah. nice. Um, but especially not with Key Stage 2, though. Key Stage 2, I like them to design their own pages so things look, look you know, a little bit, the child's got ownership of it. But sometimes... Yeah, a bit more personalised. When the little ones need scaffolding, I yeah, might definitely. do something that helps them do their picture in the right place, do their writing in the right place, and the information is there for them to see. But I would only ever do it myself, um, unless, like you say, it's graphs or what have you. And what's yeah, your last definitely. thing? 
And my final thing is is chalk ices. I hate them so much. Oh no! What? What's a chalk ice <laughs> ever done wrong? I just remember the ice cream van coming at my road and me asking my parents, "Can I go to the ice cream van?" And the reply most of the time was, "There's chalk ices in the freezer." Oh, it's not chalk ices, then. This is your your childhood. I'm traumatized. Wanting wanting like a proper ice cream from the ice cream van and getting a chalk ice. That's what that is. Yeah, well, I think it might be a mixture. I'm not a fan anyway, but the the negative experience associated with chalk ices has just I'm not putting made me want to put them in. No. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> All right, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you Thank very you much. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use, and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more, and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Hello, let me just see if I've got Luke here. Have I got Luke here? Hi Jane, how are you? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hey, how are you? I'm, I, I'm, I'm very well. I always panic when I'm changing from one thing to another on here. I don't know, sooner or later I'll become a professional. A professional. <laughs> right, so my first question to you Luke is, have you got an educational cocktail for me? Well, I've got a cocktail. Um, so I was listening to your show last week and your guests last week all said they don't drink and they drink Coke. Um, I know. And, teachers and me, just want to be difficult. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking a teacher that doesn't drink, that's like, what, a politician that doesn't lie? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so my, my cocktail, and I was listening to your guest earlier, is it uh, Chiron? Um, Chiron was, and Tim, they both did like these Im- imaginative, yeah. like one part this, one part that. I mean, but as I said, I think it's teachers for you. They want yeah. to do things their own way. Anyway, sorry, are you going to give me an actual cocktail? Yeah, I wish it was you more are. creative, but it's not. It's a proper cocktail that I'm totally going to drink later on. I'm um, down it, for that. <laughs> and it's a full-on Singapore sling, Jane, is what I'm going for. Uh, oh, no. I don't know if you've, you've had one of these. 
Uh, so it's got gin, brandy, pineapple juice, lime. Um, and I got married in the summer and this was a cocktail we gave our guests after our ceremony and stuff. So it's a bit oh, of a, fab. it's got sentimental value as well. And it's blooming gorgeous, I tell you. Did you have a fountain of it at your wedding? No, I wish. That would have been a good idea, wouldn't it? No, that would have been really good. Like a, a big punch bowl or something. That would have been nice. Yeah, well, a but, fountain no. of it. A fountain of it. If I ever get married again, I'll have a fountain of cocktail. Um, yeah. That's not going to happen. Okay, right. So <laughs> Singapore sling from you. And it's a gin cocktail. I don't think yeah. I've, I have must have had one. It's very it's, Yeah. And the reason we, we, got, we got engaged in. Yeah, it's got pineapple in line. We got engaged in Singapore. Um, and there's a famous bar called Raffles and they've got it's, it, the floors covered like with pistachio shells and stuff it's quite um yeah famous signature thing yeah it's good it's good raffles yeah raffles. It reminds Looking me of, of string fellows i'm sure it's nothing like that i don't <laughs> yeah, know why a little bit different <laughs> similar connotations <laughs> in my head for some reason right okay look what drew you into teaching as a career and um what has yeah. your career been like so far oh so um i've been teaching for about 12 years uh i'm a an assistant head currently um, at school in Birmingham. Um, when I was a kid, there were only two careers that I knew I wanted, um, and that was either teacher or radio presenter. Um, and I managed You're to do the radio both. thing. Say again? You're doing both. I know, yeah. So now I, I, I'm lucky now that I get, actually get to do both. I mean, I, was, I worked in radio professionally for for quite a few years and then the, the industry kind of went to pot a little bit and, and kind of became networked and you know most commercial stations you listen to now are, are from London not in not in cities anymore uh, which is a shame really but um yeah so I did that professionally for a bit but I had really good parents in that you know supported me but said you know get a backup plan this might not always be the thing that you're doing which they were probably quite right where they were quite right um so while I was doing that I was getting my degree finished um, I actually, uh, when I thought I'd made it in radio, I actually uh, dropped out of uni for a year uh, and then got my senses back and went back and thought, no, do you know what? I do need a backup plan. Um, and fortunately, I did it. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I've been teaching for 12 years. Um, I did a GTP. Um, weirdly, um, I, oh, cor- I had a GTP student once. Oh, about do you remember those? Yeah, I had one. Um, must have been two. Th- 2003 must be something like that when yeah, did you do yours about just after that probably about, I think I was probably about 2006 maybe I can't remember mm-hmm. god all, bl- all blends into one terrible way to come into teaching really hardcore like yeah. you, you have the class like she had yeah. to teach I had to really really support her but anyway now how did you find that GTP? yeah do you know what really tough I mean because I've been working as well and I've got bills to pay I, I, I kind of I needed to earn money as well so that was kind of the best option really I'd done a bit of I'd done a bit of supply and get, kind of gaining a bit of experience whilst I was finishing my degree um and whilst I was doing some radio stuff just to kind of get some experience I knew for a GTP you needed experience to get onto the course um so I did a bit of supply weirdly I went on supply at the school I currently teach at and swore I would never go back like it was <laughs> horrific like a, literally a day on supply when you're about 21 and you're faced with a challenging group of kids all day long it was it was it was car crash um, and I swore I'd never go back uh, the following day I got a different school I went on supply there and then they kept me and, and said you know do you want to do your qualification here I was like so I was really fortunate to be honest um, but yeah really intense because those classes are yours you know you are the teacher they are that's why GTP is so hard yeah it's not a thing anymore is it they've um they've done away no. with it but um yeah, really intense, actually, but loved it. Loved it. Really loved it. Um, and yeah, did a few years at that school, went off to do head of English for five years um, and then left and went and became an assistant head at a big trust school. So the school I work at, it's not, um, 
it's not in a, a part of a trust. It's still fortunately just on its own. It's quite nice. It's just a council-run school. Um, but I went to work for a trust and absolutely hated it. Um, I found it quite toxic. Um, school. There's a lot the, of people yeah. say that. The, the kids me. were lovely. Uh, weirdly, because I've always worked in disadvantaged areas. I, I love working in those sort of schools. Um, I find it hugely rewarding. Um, yeah, and this school too. had been um, on the front page. I think it was the Sun newspaper. It had been on the front page of the Sun um, a few years prior to me going there, where they threw the kids threw food at Ofsted inspectors. <laughs> like it was. I think the headline was "Is this Britain's worst school?" Which was. <laughs> but somehow I still I still went. I still went and did it. I don't know why. Um, but the kids were lovely, you know. The kids were grateful. They wanted to do well. Uh, but sadly, the, just the trusts that I was working for just really weren't putting the right money in or the right support in. You know, there's, I don't know what you can do in that. Until the, the trusts do something, you know, substantial, I don't think there was any way of, of making a change, really. It was really sad. But I, I ended up leaving, and my old school offered me a job again. Um, so I went back to where I was. And, yeah, so still assistant head, but in a nice little council run on its own school it's it's lovely you know um, but there's so yeah. many horrible places out there and it, you know I, I, I just feel for people in there you see a lot on twitter don't you people talking about um, toxic schools like, yeah, and yeah, totally. very difficult environments and bullying and all sorts yeah, yeah. no so good I'm, I'm pleased you're in a nice place now have you got any ambitions left for teaching or do you have a different plan to come yeah, out do you know what i don't know i mean I, I i used to say i wanted to be ahead i heard you talking earlier on about this i i, I used to say i wanted to be ahead I, as time goes on i don't think i do anymore um the school i work in is a catholic school i'm not catholic so I'm, i can't go any higher now in my in my in the school yeah i'm, I'm catholic too it's very difficult but i'm not yeah. practicing i don't go to church i don't go to mass every sunday so it sort of stops you being yeah, to your does, head yeah. where you are i yeah, like where i am i don't want to go anywhere yeah, exactly. And that's, that's where I'm at. You know, I love working where I'm working. My work-life balance is brilliant. The school's, you know, doing really well. We just had an Ofsted last half term, um, you know, and got the validation that a lot of the curriculum stuff that we've been doing and the move to knowledge engaged and all that, it's, it's going well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm part of a forward thinking school and it's brilliant. You know, I don't, I don't want to leave really at the minute, but to move up, I would have to. So I've got to kind of cross that bridge when I get to it, I suppose. Um, but I've really enjoyed just, you were talking about Twitter earlier as well. Like I've, I've had so many brilliant opportunities off the back of Twitter. You know, yeah. like I, I worked for Pixel for a little while um, and went up and down the country leading their um, their English grade five seminars and, and conferences for kids. And so I've, I've done some brilliant stuff kind of outside of school as well, which I'm really enjoying. Um, I did set up a little business before lockdown and then obviously it all came to a bit of a halt. Uh, so we were doing like... So we were doing uh, so a colleague and I we were setting up kind of revision days really just to to kind of target the, the grade five point because that's kind of you see a lot don't you about kids getting the, the GCSE the, the, the top grades at GCSE but then we we felt that a lot of kids were being let down at the kind of just the past grade so we'd set up some conferences and things like that obviously we had to cancel them all because of um, lockdowns and stuff like that that's hopefully something I might do again and you know I yeah, I enjoy my job I don't know whether I want to go too much higher at the minute to be honest well, I'm, I don't uh, think you yeah. have to be ahead no. I mean, yeah, nobody says you have to be. Okay, so I wanted to talk a bit about comedy next. Yeah. You, that's a passion of yours. Oh, I love and it. You, you do your own radio show with a comedian, don't you? With a, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. So um, so I'm back in radio now. It's a voluntary thing. Um, it's, it's a station called Brum Radio in Birmingham, and I do it with Karen Bailey, who's a, a fantastic comedian. She's absolutely amazing. Um, and she runs some, some comedy clubs and stuff, and uh, she's, she's done some huge gigs. She was... She, the Apollo Sarah Lecture's and... a big fan of her. Yeah, she is. Yeah, they know each other, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that, that's really good. So I'm, I'm lucky at the minute I get to do a bit of teaching, I get to do a bit of radio. Um, 
which is wonderful. And we have some, we've had some brilliant comedians. I've had Joe Lysett on um, and people like him. It's, it's been really good. And, and, and weird, I know Karen because I did a stand-up comedy course. Um, so I, I did that, oh God, about four or five years ago. And she ran the course in Birmingham um, and we became really good friends. And then I did some gigs at her clubs and, and I haven't done much since, lo- in fact, I haven't done any gigs since we came out of lockdown, to be honest. I think it's, it's one of those things that once you stop doing it for a while, it's really hard to get back into because it's so nerve wracking. Yeah, like, it must be. Like, yeah, once you're yeah. doing it, you're okay, and you're getting that validation of, of laughs and, and claps or whatever else. But now that I've not done it for, like, the best part of two years, getting up on a stage again is just a bit of a daunting thing, I think. But I, I'm determined I mean, to I do it I was going to ask you to tell me a joke that you didn't get to tell it. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. Oh, gosh. It's mostly no, 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 a lot no, of mine's no, anecdotal, no. to be honest. I was trying to think then. Um, no, it's fine. I was, no, but I can ask you who your favourite comedian is. or if you, Because I don't go and see a lot of um, comedy gigs. Yeah. So if I was going to go and see someone, who would you recommend? So I totally love, because I think from the teacher thing, and I think there's so much comedy value in teaching. As teachers, we see so many funny things, don't we? Like kids are the, kids are the best, man. They tell me, the stuff they say and do and write is just brilliant. Um, so I really like comedians who've got like a teacher background. So Greg Davis, I find really funny. Um, yeah, he's just because, Yeah, just, and, and Ramesh Ranganathan. Um, mm. Just people that have been teachers, I find really funny because they often draw on their, their, their kind of their teaching background, don't they? I like Ramesh um, talking about his own kids. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> just so like i'm literally in stitches watching stuff sean Locke though was amazing rest in peace sean Locke, what an amazing comedian um so sad that he died this year he was like and one of my bucket list things was to go and see him live i've never managed to see him live oh, um, but strange. such a such a funny comedian so fast and quick it's, it's just brilliant um i think you've answered my next question oh um, which was, does humor help in teaching but you you mentioned totally yeah i think you mentioned like, that it yeah, does not it Oh, totally. And, and I, I, t- I find that, like, I, I treat the front of my classroom as a bit of a comedy stage. Like, I try, like, I almost try out material on the kids. Like, if, like you could, wouldn't you? It's your but, first yeah. primary audience you're going to have totally. there. Totally. And the, the, the kids laugh at stuff. I think, oh, maybe that'll work. So I, like, write that down. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, like, this, like, a lot of my comedy is, is kind of stuff that I've seen in school. Like, there's, there's a, I do a whole section on penis graffiti, which I find absolutely hilarious. Um, oh, I bet in secondary school you get yeah. a lot of that. Oh, my God. Why is it a 14-year-old go-to graffiti? It's just a, bra- a badly drawn willy. there are some brilliant ones all around school um but there's so (laughs) just i got a christmas card last year right from a kid in year seven and the the christmas card read to mr crawford i saw you in tesco love megan (laughs) (laughs) yeah when they see you in tesco it's like the the biggest thing in the world like i had i was buying a bottle of wine goodness me it was a friday i was buying a bottle of wine and the first thing a boy in my class said when i came back on monday was i saw you buying wine I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not illegal no i do i find whenever i go on holiday there's either a kid at the airport or on the plane or at the at the seaside there's always a kid somewhere like they're following you or oh it's it's mad it, it's so funny and there's so many things so i just write them down and kind of try and get a a, a kind of comedy set out of them really like you know I've got, I caught a kid a few weeks ago we, we, we do reading in my school for half an hour every day um, and I literally walked around the room and found a kid had literally cut a square in the book to fit their mobile phone in no <laughs> right oh literally, my goodness that literally. doesn't happen in primary I was like what is this this is just genius um, but I just, was so oh. so um, shocked by you know when they were using um, the face masks to cut the chair yeah 
did you see that in your class? <laughs> yeah. you know, the face mask, and then they were like just using it as a saw and yeah. cutting the, the plastic chairs. I was yeah, yeah. flabbergasted by that. Just, yeah, madness. And kids are wearing their face masks at the minute so they can get away with chatting to their mate without being seen. I just think that's brilliant. Oh, you <laughs> do you know what I mean? You coming, though, didn't you? I yeah. Think okay, yeah. So I don't know how you do primary, to be fair. Like, literally, it, it must be – like, I did a bit of primary experience, got a bit of primary experience before I qualified, and I was like, oh, God, I can't do this. This is – as much as it was comedy value, I found it really stressful. Like, just little kids and, like, putting things in their mouths that aren't food and, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, fair I mean, play to you, really. It's a different um, a different set of stresses. I think the, the main difference is that you've got them for five hours. So, actually, you can't rely on any tricks or any um, yeah. things that are, like, time-limited. You have to build a more solid behaviour relationship with them you, like it's more individual and that's something that you know yeah. you, when you haven't got it at the beginning of your career or at the beginning of the year like the beginning of the year in a primary school is really difficult because you've got to find a way of holding those 30 children for five totally. hours a day you know they, they, there's no running away from them yeah at least we can get rid of them after an hour you know like we can move them on to somewhere else go and cause but some then, problems somewhere else but, but then I think that our behaviour gets better. So then we have, per, you know, you, if you're a, if you're a good teacher, which most teachers are, a really mm. good teacher, you have you can have perfect behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, absolutely perfect behaviour. They'll do everything you say because you've got that relationship with them. Um, you know, not like obedient for obedience' sake, but they will just want to please you. They know how things work. They know what happens if they do things wrong. They and understand they're so the honest. community. Yeah, oh, and you build that with them. When I was, <laughs> a very quick one, when I was in this primary school, they had the school had a bit of a problem with swearing. So the head teacher did assembly on like, we don't swear in this school, we don't use bad language. If you do, you lose your playtime. I think I was in a year three class and a little girl came up and said, oh, Mr. Crawford, uh, Martin said the F word. <laughs> I was like, oh God, right, I've got to deal with it. Thanks, you little telltale. So I spoke to Martin and I, 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 I'm ashamed to say I said the word. I said, Martin, did you say, you know, the foot word? And he went, no, I said fart. <laughs> I said, how many yeah. playtimes are you going to miss? <laughs> I was like, this is brilliant. Write that down. Yeah, they often say the S word, and you're like, what do they actually mean? It could be yeah. literally anything, it could be sheep. Um, yeah. And they come, they come up with really funny insults. Like, I think uh, a few years ago, a child went, he called me a camel face, or, or you know, just something completely yeah. nonsensical. And they're really, really upset about it. And you just want to laugh because you're like, well, yeah. that's just funny. It <laughs> doesn't brilliant. even make sense. Okay, let's let's go on to uh, badly discussed things on Edgy Twitter or things that wind you up on Twitter. Oh, do you know what? Um, it was mentioned earlier. This idea of so, so the first thing that winds me up is people who get who, who go you know put their size tens in on everything. So I made a bit of an I, I was having a bit of a problem with a, um, a a group of kids. I was teaching um, the lower ability group. I know you shouldn't say that, and this is why I got into trouble. So I put on Twitter something about you know anyone got any advice on you know I had a class of thirty, I had five kids who couldn't read. Um, well, I don't know what you would call it. Is it low was, attainers? Yeah, low um, prior attainers is what we've got. Yeah, so I put on Twitter yeah. something about, you know, I've got this lower ability group looking for some strategies to, you know, engage them and to motivate them. And because uh, I was playing whack-a-mole, you know, I had kids who couldn't read that needed my attention. I had some naughties, I had some kids that just didn't enjoy English, whatever else. Um, and I put this tweet on and it got some backlash of people saying you shouldn't be calling children low ability. And blah, blah, blah. So, the, you know, and a lot, of twi- a lot of the Twitter kind of people stood up for me and kind of backed me, which was brilliant. But I just got into that. It was for about a week. It was just, oh, a my week? God. Yeah, a just week? constant. Oh yeah, my it was just, that's, oh. that's hardcore. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've got a lot of retweets and a lot of followers off it, but it was, you know, it was just one of those things. So, so, so some people, I think, just take things a little too seriously, you know. Yeah, like, so you know, there was there was no ill intent there. It, you know, it's you know a bit of misinterpretation, really. Yeah, I think back in the day when I could be bothered to argue with people like yeah. old Andrew, it's exhausting. Totally. And, but you do get a lot of followers off, off of the uh, the back of the argument. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, every cloud. Were, so when I, I had. A fewer followers. I, I would some. No, I didn't cause arguments for the sake of it. People will say, "Oh, yeah, you do, Jane. You do." Um, yeah. Uh, do you know, the other thing I put is... in is. Oh, go on. Yeah, go on. Oh, sorry. Oh, are, you saying, one, that... are you doing one hundred and one, or are you doing things? Oh no, so that wind, yeah, winding me up still. Sorry. Yeah. I've, oh, what, yeah. I've thought about that. It's fine. Um, yeah. P- people who talk about how um, if you get curriculum right, behaviour follows. I totally mm. just don't agree. Like, I just totally think that. If you're, and there was a big, a big debate on this on Twitter recently. I think if you've got, if you've got your culture for learning right in a school, you've got the freedom then to be really creative with your curriculum. Whereas if you've got poor behaviour, you can't put any sort of curriculum in place. So I, that kind of winds me up a little bit. That argument. The same with the differentiation one as well. I guess really that you know I, I kind of I'm a strong believer that every kid deserves access to the exact same content that all the other children are getting. You know, just because you're not seen as being as bright as someone else in the room. I think you still have, you should have access to that knowledge, but you should scaffold maybe to help them access it rather than give them something different. Um, so that's something else that winds them up a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. Somebody's just said, hello, may I ask what the topic's about? I'm sorry, Annie. It's right near the end of the show. Maybe um, listen back um, when I, when I publish it. Okay. Let's go on to squid game. Cause you're a secondary English teacher. Yeah. So actually, um, you know, maybe you're not going to just throw it out like the other two primary school teachers. I, I'm always thinking, because I was think if I was a secondary school teacher, I'd like to do A-level English. Mm. And I something like Squid Game, which is so hugely um, being talked about, I'd kind of want to discuss it with my yeah. class. But would you use it or not? I, I, yeah, do you know what? Probably I'm, I would be surprised if my kids don't turn up on Monday and instantly start asking me whether I watch Squid Game. Like, I'll be amazed. Like, I'm just expecting that to happen as standard. Um, mm-hmm. And do you know what? I, I think there's a – I heard Tim earlier on in saying, you know, you teach kids things that, that they don't know already. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, so, there's such value in taking what's in popular culture or in the media or, or whatever else and kind of talking about that in the classroom and in the safety of a classroom environment and yeah, kind of analysing it to a, to a degree and – you know, I think that's, you know, having a debate around it, you know, especially you can do that in secondary school. You can talk about, you know, is this the right thing? Should should kids be watching this? Does it set a right example? You know, they might this... be worried about it. You know, yeah, that, exactly. and I think that I know in primary school, certainly pastoral care is so important and it must be in secondary as well. You know, like they might be really seriously worried about it or somebody else that Completely. they're young and they're, they're easily influenced and they get worried about stuff and talking to some a trusted adult about it. Mm. could be really helpful and you know what from an English perspective I get the best work out of kids when it's a topic that they they're passionate about that they're interested in that affects their own context you know so actually there's I think there's value in it I really do yeah I, but do I haven't too. finished the series yet I've got one episode left to watch so oh. I'm, I'm nearly done I've got one left I'm hoping it's a I'm good one I'm not going to ruin it for you yeah don't ruin no spoilers there is a, there is a surprise at the end is I that I didn't see coming. Yeah. I'm probably going to watch it as soon as we finish this. <laughs> I, okay. I need to get it done. <laughs> All right, we've got four minutes left. So there's four minutes for you to tell me what you would put in Room 101. And it could be chalk ices if you want, but I'm going to okay. not put them in again. Um, I, do you know what? I started making a list and I just stopped making a list because I think I had about 20 things. Um, yeah, I could in- put a thousand oh, things into oh, Room 101. Loads of things. Um, internet trolls, I'd put those in. 
um, particularly Twitter trolls, YouTube trolls. I've got a YouTube channel, you see, Jane, um, that does videos to help kids get grade fives. They're five-minute videos. I had a kid rip, <laughs> put a comment under one of my videos saying, your trim's dead. Like, your what? Your trim's dead. What's that I think, mean? Well, after about an hour, I think I realised what he was saying is that I've got a really bad haircut. Oh, so dead. Oh, yeah, as both teacher uses the word dead. So I, Yeah. yeah. I, so, like, obviously, I didn't want to reply to this, but I did. I replied and I corrected all the grammar because it was all poorly gram grammatically incorrect. So I corrected all the grammar. You know, you could use an apostrophe after trim. Lovely use of metaphor, though, to highlight the writer's sense of frustration with outdated haircut, all that. Um, about three hours later, the kid replied going, thanks, sir. <laughs> turns, out it's, turns out it's a kid I teach, isn't it? I have no idea who it is. <laughs> it's, it's one of my kids. So, um, yeah, I put trolls in because that tormented me for about three days. Um, yeah, um, differentiation, I definitely put in. Verbal feedback stamps. Oh, get rid of them. Oh, stop wasting your time. There's no point. Um, I had one in my class once. It was left over from a previous teacher. Obviously, I never used it. But yeah. why, would he, why would you do why? that? I don't, it must have been just to, if someone did a book troll, maybe to prove, oh, I gave them feedback. It proves nothing. You, it proves <laughs> nothing. You might not have done. You yeah. might have been feeling really lazy that day and just stamped him yeah. with his book with a V. Totally. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I just, just anything in education that's done for the sake of doing it, like just to tick boxes, get rid of it. All of it go. Like, let's just get back to just teaching kids and do you know what I mean? And helping them out and doing the right thing. That's, that's, I'd get rid of all of that. Um, the, the last thing I'd put world, in. Real world, real world oh, Real world. Yeah, I'd get rid of mayonnaise. Hate oh. mayonnaise. Uh, fly tippers. I'd get rid of fly tippers. They're the yeah, scum bad. of the earth. Um, but also the one, the, the other one thing I do find frustrating is teachers who get away with being bad at the job. It, mm. it drives me mad. Like if there was a way of just. Well, like lazy. Yeah. You know, those teachers that just. They're not doing a great job, but it's really difficult to say, you know, to try and get them to leave, you know, like just doing it for the wrong reasons, really. I find that frustrating. It's quite, I quite like the new ECF stuff, actually, for the qualifying teachers. You have to do two years now, don't you, which kind of makes know, you I, commit. I had a bit of a go about the, um, the early career framework because I was, and then I realised that actually that was just the basics and there's a lot of other stuff yeah. that I can do. I don't know. I trained so long ago. It's yeah. really difficult to know what I learned when I was training and what I just learned afterwards. So totally. um, I might stay out of that conversation for Matt, what's wrong with mayonnaise? <laughs> do you know what? I've just never liked mayonnaise. Never liked it. I don't like the taste. And it drives me when I'm trying to do a meal deal in Boots. Every sandwich has got has got mayonnaise on it. So when they're having to eat boring ham, like at least put some do, do a sal, do a sandwich with more than just ham on it for people who don't like mayo. Well, I mean, me I'd, I'd happily put um, ready-made sandwiches in room one hundred and one because yeah. the mayonnaise in them is disgusting. But That's actually, may, yeah, but actually, ma normal mayonnaise, like if you want a blob mm. of it um, with chips. It's no, Dutch, not a fan. Not a fan. Get rid. All right. Okay. Well, I'm not. <laughs> If I come yeah. on your show, then you can not. You can refuse me if you do. Do you know what? You've away. totally got to do that. We'll get you. We, I want you on. We're going to come on Brom Radio. That's what we're going to do. We'll sort that out, Jane. You can come on our right. my show. That'd be really good. I look forward to it. Do I get to talk about something other than teaching? Yeah, we just have a bit of yeah, we have a bit of fun. Okay. Yeah, that bit of a laugh. Really yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm dead on half four, which means I'm Stop. a great timekeeper. Um, thanks. Thanks for coming on. It's been Thanks a pleasure. so much for inviting me. It's been really, uh, really enjoyable to be a guest rather than an interviewer for a, for a change. So thanks, Jane. And you're a Appreciate great it. guest. Oh, okay. thank you. Speak to Cheerio. you soon. 
Take Speak to you soon. Bye, Luke. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.